Hello, it's Bernard Nomberg with the Nomberg Law Firm in Birmingham, Alabama. Thank you for tuning in to the Nomberg Law Live podcast. Each week, I try to have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. Jim Hart, an attorney from North Carolina, is my guest on this week's show. Jim does a couple of different things and is a very busy guy. He is a YouTube specialist in that he has developed such a niche. He has a very large following of subscribers on YouTube. And we talk about that for a little bit. He also talks about how LLCs can make mistakes, these limited liability companies. And he gives us some really great tips about how to properly handle those type of business entities. There's so much more about Jim. Unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about everything but Jim is a really nice fella, good friend, and I really hope you guys will enjoy listening to this episode of Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review, and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. I should have hit the record button. All right. Good morning. <laughs> now we're recording. Good morning. It's Bernard Nomberg with another episode of Nomberg Law Live. We appreciate you guys checking in with us. Sorry for the few minutes delay. That was totally my fault. I've got my buddy Jim Hart from Cary or Raleigh, North Carolina with me on the other side. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bernard. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It was so good to catch up with you in, in uh, at Max uh, Law Con this past week. I really appreciate the time that we had together. Me as well. I don't know about you, but it's been a whirlwind since I've gotten back. I've been doing, got everything got backlogged, but we're getting back to normal. It, but you know, that it's good stuff. It is, um, there was so much, at least my takeaways, and we could talk about just that if we wanted to for the next hour, but that conference, I always look forward to it. So many lawyers from around the country just sharing their expertise and so giving. At least those are some of my takeaways. Oh, no, I, I, I totally agree. And just all the activity that's been in the Facebook community in the past couple of days from people asking questions and expressing gratitude and everything else. It's just uh, it is a very unique community and I feel very fortunate to be a part of it. You know, it really is. And it just shows it's a testament to Tyson and to Jim. Uh, for the community that they've built, and I'm already looking forward to next year's event. We've only been home a couple of days. Oh, I already booked my tickets. I don't know about you, but I got the early bird pricing. That's right. It's on my, my to-do list. But guys, Jim and I could have this conversation for the next little while, but we wanted to share with you, we're going to pivot a little bit. Jim is an attorney in North Carolina and just has a huge online presence. But Jim, share a little bit about your practice, a little bit about yourself, and, and then we'll just get started. Yeah, so I've got, um, so my, my practice is mainly, I've got kind of two components of my practice. On a local level here in North Carolina, I help people that are going through divorce and family law issues. But on more of a national scale, I build a presence online through YouTube where I help people with um, LLC, forming LLCs, intellectual property issues, and things like that. And, um, and it, that really just grew out of this YouTube channel and this following that I built up on this YouTube channel. 
um, where I've got 20-some thousand followers now, and um, and so people have been reaching out to me and, and asking for this help, and and that's that's really where that's come from. So I thought what we could talk about today, um, because this is who is probably going to be listening to this, I imagine, um, is my following from YouTube, is the main mistakes that people are making when they're forming their LLCs, and these are things that I see over and over again every time I have consults with people. Well, Jim, let's let's talk about before we get into those mistakes. Give us just a very brief overview of the different types of business entities that are potentially out there. Again, I know that could be a whole discussion upon itself. But when we talk about LLCs, first of all, what is an LLC? And then let's talk about the different business entities. So an LLC is also, it's known as a limited liability company. They started in Wyoming way back in the 70s. And they're, they're kind of a hybrid between what the default models were back then. And so back then, uh, before LLCs came into existence, most people were either a sole proprietorship or a partnership or a corporation. And I'm, I'm dumbing things down. There's other different types of entities, but, but these are the main big ones that you need to be aware of. And then Wyoming said, well, you know what? We, we're going to come up with this other creature. We're going to call it a limited liability company. There's a lot of benefits to doing business as a limited liability company. There's a lot more flexibility involved in the ownership structure of the company. And, um, and basically, you can choose the way you want to be taxed if you own a limited liability company. So there's a lot of great reasons to consider that. And it's really the default kind of go-to uh, business entity for a lot of online entrepreneurs now. If you don't have those protections of filing uh, your proper paperwork, are there potential um, exposures for people who have these companies and they're working hard building them up, but they don't have formal paperwork? So yeah, I mean, if you if you don't have if you haven't done anything, if you haven't formed an LLC, or maybe you formed an LLC, and this is actually one of the mistakes people make. You form your LLC, you file your articles of organization, you pay your fee to the state, and you just file the paperwork away and don't do anything else. Um, then, yeah, there could be exposures, and it really depends on the type of business. So um, I've had several people who own trucking companies um, reach out to me to help them form LLCs. And th that's just a good example of someone who's in a, a business where they have a lot of exposure. If they're in an accident with their truck, if they hit somebody, if they're if they're carrying some sort of really hazardous materials, um, they don't have the proper insurance, all sorts of things, and they don't have the proper protections in place with their LLC, they could really face a lot of liability, and 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 actually their personal assets could be reached if if they were to get involved in a lawsuit. So. Yeah, so if you don't do things correctly and, and you make some of the mistakes we're going to talk about here today, then yes, you, you do uh, run the risk of being held personally liable for those for your business debts. Jim, what are some of the companies, the types of companies, not necessarily their names, but the businesses that they're in, wherein you've helped companies either form LLCs or helped advise them, I guess, what markets are they in? What, what type of work do they do? Well, just to name a few, um, you know, the restaurants are one, and there's there's a number of ways that people could be held personally liable in, in a restaurant. Um, we have I have deal with a lot of online entrepreneurs who are coaches and and um, maybe consultants, or they're selling online courses where 
you know, they, they could get into trouble for false representations or potentially with the FCC if they're messing things up. Uh, also, we've dealt with a lot of Amazon businesses and Amazon sellers where people are selling products online, and if their product were to hurt somebody or, or um, uh, and they don't have the proper disclaimers, there's, there's, you know, just about any business you can think of, there's a risk that you could be held personally liable for the debts and obligations of the business if something goes wrong. And, and the problem is that most people think that they're never going to have that problem until it's too late and they, they do have that problem and then they have to deal with it head on. Most folks don't want lawyers until they need a lawyer. Is that right? <laughs> I, I think that's very accurate. <laughs> and then your lawyer's the best lawyer everybody else thinks. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jim, let, let's take a scenario that let's say I'm, I'm a solo guy and I've got a bike shop and I don't know what type of paperwork. I, I don't know where I'm going, so we, but I know what kind of business I want to do. I, I've got a lot of energy and, and, and I know that my, my bike shop's going to be awesome, but I've never incorporated. I've never done anything. How does a, does a person who is a, a business person, an entrepreneur, where do they start? How, how do they get started making sure that they've got the right paperwork? Who do they consult with? Well, I mean, I don't, that's kind of what we do. Um, I have a number of packages available for people that are in that exact situation. And, but, but aside from me, there's really several options that, that somebody who's starting a business has and that I see. There's the do-it-yourself route, which is these are the people that go out and they try and cobble together all the information from the internet and figure out what they need to do. That's one option. And, and frankly, that's probably the majority of people. That's what they're doing. Uh, there's the people that don't do anything because they kind of stick their head in the sand and say, you know what, this is exactly what we just said before. I don't have a problem. I'm never going to have a problem. Or at least I don't think I'm going to. So I'm not going to worry about it. And they just don't do anything. They operate as a sole proprietorship. And that's, that happens quite frequently. Um, then you can start to get up to where people actually are looking for help. And they're looking for maybe the legal Zooms, the rocket lawyers, the online companies that basically do just document preparation for them, but don't provide any type of meaningful advice or guidance. So it's on you to determine whether or not you are pro filing the proper paperwork and whether or not you need what it is they're selling you uh, to do. And then from there, it kind of gets into, you know, thinking about hiring a full-blown lawyer where somebody will go to a law firm and they could pay anywhere from several hundred to several thousand dollars for that type of service to, to help them do everything they need to do and to consult with them about that. The, where, 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 where we fit in and where I fit in is kind of a, a, a hybrid between what LegalZoom can do and what the full-service law firm can do. I kind of say we're kind of like LegalZoom, but we also have the additional advice and guidance. And so, you know, it really just depends where you are on the spectrum in terms of what you need and what, what um, advice and guidance you need and how capable you are of doing it yourself. A lot of people can find the information online or get a book or, or whatever, and, and that's going to be plenty good for them. But, um, you know, they often say you don't know what you don't know sometimes, and that can get you into trouble. So, uh, we do recommend if, it, if it's not my firm or, or someone else that you at least go talk to somebody. Um, a lot of attorneys will give free or very low-cost consultations to walk them through the issues they face. Well, it certainly sounds like those first two approaches, not doing anything or scouring the Internet, you're going to get what you pay for. Those, those don't sound like good approaches. You need somebody with experience. And guys, 
Thank you for tuning in. I know we've got Dad is on on there and Chris Nicholson. Good to see you, Chris. So enjoyed our our fellowship this weekend with you and, and Gretchen. We're talking with Jim Hart out of North Carolina, and the issue, the topic that we're talking about is uh, forming businesses, how to do things the right way and protections. And, and Jim, let's let's now move into to your main topic for today of what are some mistakes when forming LLCs and how to avoid those issues? Well, there's, there's a lot. And I started off um, as I was kind of preparing for our, our talk today, I started listing all the different mistakes that I've seen. And I, 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 start, I, would, I thought I was gonna start with five. I actually came up with probably seven. I probably go even more than that. Um, but, you know, I think the first main issue that I see people do is filing in the wrong state. They see that people need to file, they think or they've heard somewhere, and this is where people go online and they're looking for information. They think for whatever reason they need to file in Wyoming or they, because the fees are really low, or they need to file in Nevada because there's no taxes, or they need to file you know, somewhere in Delaware because that's where they hear all the corporations file. And there's a lot of problems with that approach and, and because of time, I'm not gonna get into all those problems. But basically what people need to understand is it's better to just file in the state where you're located and doing business. That just makes the most sense. So if you are filing somewhere else, you're actually causing yourself a whole lot more headache and a whole lot more in terms of fees than if you just file in the state where you live and you're doing business. Now for online entrepreneurs, sometimes that can be a bit dicey because maybe they live overseas and they, they can kind of pick the state that they want and that's okay. But for people that are living and working in the United States, you know, you, typically it's best to do to file wherever your your principal place of business is, and not try and you know get fancy and and file somewhere where you don't actually live or don't actually do any business other than maybe a virtual office. So that that's the first mistake. Do you just want me to go through these, or you have yeah, follow up? Yeah, let's just run through them. So I'd say the second mistake that people make is they don't have an operating agreement in place. It's kind of what I said back at the beginning. If you just go and you file and you've got your articles of organization and you just put them away, put them to the side and you don't think about it again, that's a problem. If you ever got sued, the first thing that the, the plaintiff's lawyer is going to ask for when they sue you is they're gonna want a copy of your operating agreement to make sure that you're actually following the terms of the operating agreement. So if you don't have one, or you do have one and you're not following the terms of the operating agreement, then they're gonna make an argument that you aren't really a legitimate business, therefore they can do what's called, it's a legal doctrine, piercing the corporate veil, which means that all that limited liability protection that you normally would get with a limited liability company just kind of goes out the window. So that's a big mistake, is people either don't have it or they don't follow it. Um, the, the third main mistake I see people making, and, and I'm sure you can imagine how common this one is, is that they commingle business and personal funds. So in other words, they decide they want to go out to dinner with their spouse and they don't have enough money in their personal checking account, so they, they purchase, um, they, they, they use the business account to do it. Or maybe the business is running low on funds, but they need to buy some equipment, so they use their personal bank account to do it. And, and at the end of the day, they, they start losing track of what's business and what's personal because they're just kind of, or maybe they just have one bank account and they operate the business out of their personal bank account. So you need to, when you run a business, you need to have a clear line and two very distinct 
entities. You need to have your business accounts and you need to have your personal accounts. And I can tell you, um, because I've been in business for myself for you know 15 years, that that can be difficult. You have basically two budgets, two sets of books that you're running that you have to reconcile each month. It is hard to do, but it's something you need to do. And if you don't feel comfortable doing it, you need to hire a bookkeeper or somebody to help you to make sure that you do it properly. Because if you don't, that's where you are going to get into a lot of problems. And that's where that plaintiff lawyer is going to come in and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to sue you. And you, you are just kind of, this is not a real business here. You're running everything out of your personal account. That's a bad, it's a big problem. And we yeah, see that all the time. I've seen that. I've seen that in yeah. our practice as well. Yeah, for sure have. That's a big no-no. Um, so the, and so the next mistake I see kind of goes hand in hand with that. And this, I've seen lawyers that make this mistake. And I know Bernard, you're going to be able to appreciate this. Um, it's that they don't hold enough money back for taxes. And so they get all this money in. Now you, you're in business for yourself, right? And if you, at the end of the year, when you file your tax return and you, you know, you had a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and you, you take all the expenses out and whatever your net profit is, let's say you, you netted a hundred thousand dollars. Well, you got to pay taxes on that hundred thousand dollars. And um, with an LLC, you have to pay at a minimum 15.3% self-employment tax. So that's $15,000 right off the top. And, um, and then personal taxes on top of that as well. So as well as state and local taxes. So if you're not withholding enough when you receive revenue, that I, I see a lot of people and I've had a lot of clients come in that are on payment plans with the IRS because they didn't withhold the proper taxes. And, and not even withholding, they didn't just set them aside into a different account or, or mail in their estimated taxes or whatever they need to do. I typically tell people, um, there's a book, and I don't know if I have it with me here. Oh, yeah, I do. I don't know if you've read this book, Bernard. Excuse me. Um, Profit First. I'm aware of it, yeah. But yeah, this book, I recommend this to all, um, all my clients, and I've, I've spouted the praises of it on my YouTube channel. It's just a great book, and it basically, he's got a system set up so that you can um, withhold the proper amount for both paying yourself, paying the expenses of the business, and paying taxes, as well as keeping a little bit for, for profit as well. So that's, uh, that's the fourth. Um, I'll take a break there, and if you have questions, Bernard, or anything you want me to? Sure, sure. Uh, Annika has just come on and is watching with us. Good morning, Annika. So enjoyed also seeing you this past week at Max Law Con. You're, uh, I've heard this. Uh, many people have called her a rock star in her world, and she really is awesome about community giving and, and has spoken to my little uh, group here in, in Birmingham as well. So thank you, Annika, for jumping in for a few minutes. Guys, we're talking with Jim Hart. Attorney in North Carolina has a big online presence dealing with business protections, how to do things the right way. Awesome YouTube channel. Jim, get, let's do a little plug. How can folks get in touch with you? Tell us how to get in touch with your or find your uh, YouTube channel and those things. Oh, excuse me. Um, so the best way to reach me on YouTube is if you go to youtube.com slash Hawthorne Law, and it's spelled H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N Law, and that'll take you right to the YouTube channel. Uh, 
a lot of people are like, why did you come up with this name Hawthorne? And I figure I might as well just explain it real quick. Uh, back in the Middle Ages, Hawthorne trees were used to protect property. And so as hedgerows to, to protect real property. And so when I first started, the idea was we're protecting people's online property. So that's how, that's where that came from, in case you're wondering. People have called me Mr. Hawthorne, this, that, and the other. And also, I just, awesome. quick, quick little plug there. Well, I put, I just put a link in our comment section to your YouTube channel. So hopefully, thank you very much. Can, uh, can uh, click on that and go find you and subscribe. All right, we're talking about seven mistakes when people are forming LLCs. Uh, filing in your own state is advised, you've said. Make sure you have an operating agreement. Don't commingle funds. Keep money aside for taxes and other purposes. And then we're headed to number five. All right, so number five is uh, not applying for local licenses and permits. So people will apply for the LLC, they'll get their business rocking and rolling, and then they forget, or, or maybe they applied for local permits when they were a sole proprietorship before they filed for their LLC, and they forget that they have to go back and refile. So uh, in some states, it's, it's in personal name, like here in North Carolina, we have to file for a privilege license that's in our local, that's in our personal name, it's by attorney, it's not by firm. But uh, depending on the type of business you're in, uh, th that might be a little bit different. And so for the majority of people, if whatever, what business you're running, you need to file for a local permit. And that's one of the things we do also is we can prepare a report of all the local permits and the state permits that you're gonna need and licenses that you're going to need for your business. And so that's a big problem people have. Um, and I'll get through the last two or I can go through pretty quick. Number six is, um, hold on a sec. My notice is popping up on my phone. Number six is, and this is a big one, um, not having a registered agent. And the reason why this is so important is you have to have a registered agent that's, that's someplace where you can receive service of process during normal business hours, Monday through Friday. And a lot of people think, well, I'll just put down my home and I'll be the registered agent. Well, there's a problem with that. That means you're basically tied to your house. So if you're not there, um, you decide to run errands or you decide to take a vacation or, or whatever. I deal with a lot of online entrepreneurs who are you know, internet entrepreneurs who travel a lot. They go to conferences like we did last week and you're not there and you don't receive service then you run the risk of being in default um, if, if you get sued. And that could be a very big problem. So, and, and not to mention you're in violation of the, the state rules that say that you have to have a registered agent and a, at an address where they can accept service of process. So what I typically recommend people do, and, and, and we serve as a registered agent in all 50 states, is you have for, for 100 bucks a year, you can hire a corporate entity to serve as that registered agent for you, and you know they're going to be there. You know they're going to get service if you get sued. Now, is it likely that you're going to get sued? No, it's not likely that you're going to get sued. But in the event, it only takes once, right? And if you get sued and you don't accept service or you don't have somebody there to accept service, then that could be a big problem for you, and it's going to cost you many times more than the $100 you spend a year to have somebody serve as that registered agent for you. So let me ask you, before you hit number seven, let me ask you if you've ever gotten 
a lawsuit as being the registered agent for a company from Orange County, California, Trial Lawyer of the Year, 2009, Mitch Jackson, who's watching us live. He's sitting in court and he's participating in our show. Have you ever gotten a lawsuit from Mitch Jackson? Fortunately, I have not because I know if um, if I did, I'd be in big trouble because, you know, being trial lawyer of the year, he, he'd probably, uh, you know, nail me to the tree. Sure, so. sure. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to Mitch. Thanks for, for tuning in for a few minutes, Mitch, before your hearing takes place. Uh, we're headed to number seven mistake when forming so, LLCs. Jim, go ahead. So the number seven mistake is is one that I've already kind of referenced, and that's just not being compliant. It's not it's not following all the rules. Um, it's not like I just had somebody hired me last week to do their LLC, and as I went through the um, their state records and I was looking at things, and I noticed that they hadn't they were delinquent in their annual report, and and people don't. People just forget about it. I, I mean, the state's not going to remind you necessarily. It depends on which state you live in, I guess. But uh, the state's not necessarily going to remind you that your annual reports do. You know, you just you have to know to do it. And so um, this person was delinquent. I had another case recently where um, a guy had purchased a piece of property from uh, an LLC, and the owner of the LLC was actually delinquent for failing to to um, file their annual report. And so they had actually been dissolved by the state, and wow. um, my client was was trying to recover this piece of property because what happened is because the LLC was dissolved, the title was no good to the property, and then the person that owned the LLC passed away, and so there was no way to to resolve this without making a claim against the decedent's estate. Big huge mess. Big, huge problem. It all could have been avoided had, um, number one, my client done a proper title search before he closed on the property. But if the other person had, um, if they'd filed their annual reports, then the title would have been clean and there wouldn't have been a problem. So again, people think these things aren't a big deal, but they really are a big deal. And so you need to make sure you stay compliant. If you don't, then anything you do as the LLC could be invalidated. Guys, you've heard it here first from business formation and protection attorney, Jim Hart out of North Carolina. Such sound advice. Jim, I really appreciate you giving us some time today going through these things. And before we get off our phone call or our discussion today, how can people get in touch with you? So we already mentioned the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Hawthorne Law. It's pretty easy to find. Um, I've also got a website. It's hawthornelaw.net, N-E-T, not, not com. And it's it's Hawthorne is spelled H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N. There's no E in that. And it's all one word. So that's the best way to reach me. And um, thank you so much, Bernard. It's been a pleasure to be on here. And of course, it was wonderful to see you again last week. My, my pleasure as, as well, Jim. I, I don't want to forget, Annika threw a question that I just missed, just found it. What advice would you give someone like her who's on the verge of hiring someone for help? Should she go the 1099 route or should she go the employee route? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Annika, it really depends on what that person is going to be doing from you, for you. And there, there's a whole list of factors that can be uh, considered when doing that. So basically, if, if, the, if, if it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it eats like a duck, it swims like a duck, it's probably a duck. A lot of people try to 
uh, classify people as 1099 that they really shouldn't classify as 1099 and the IRS is really cracking down on that and I know people that have gotten in problems for that so I'm not saying that's your situation but basically if they're in your office if they're using your equipment if they're acting at your direction um, if uh, you know all these type of things then they're probably going to be an employee if however they're they're working virtually maybe they're using their own equipment you're giving them a project and they're basically doing the project for you on however they want to do it and it's more like a 1099 so um, for instance um, you know I've hired marketing assistants in the past um, that are basically on an hourly basis and I've told them here's what I need you to do and they go and do it and they you know like if you were to hire an SEO person or someone like that they know what they're doing they're not acting at your direction well that's gonna be more like a 1099 um, uh, I hope that answers your question it's uh, you know there's that that could be <coughs> excuse me that is a question that could be an entire episode in and of itself in terms of uh, making sure that you've got the right classification for your employees and you, and you may have some uh, some videos already on your YouTube channel that might might address some of those things you know I've got like 70 videos up and there might be one there about that I don't remember if, if not I probably should add one sounds like something for your to-do list but Jim again I really appreciate your time and your expertise today and uh, this is uh, as much as I want to keep talking with you I know we both got other things we've got to be doing today so thank you again for for spending some time with me today you're welcome Bernard thank you guys this will conclude our another Tuesday episode of Nomberg Law Live we come to you every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central 8 a.m. Pacific and I hope you have a great rest of your day and take care bye-bye